Shalom brother and sister in Christ Wherever you are right now At home or in this place God is with us every moment in our life If you believe only in Him He will be with you forever and ever And He will make whatever you do prosper Amen Come on, let us stand up together Let us praise Him Let's give the biggest hand Sound Hallelujah
Yeah. 
Once again, we want to say thank you for everything, for all you've done in our life. In Jesus' name, let's everybody say together with me, Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now we will hear the word of God get shared by Dr. Pratok. God bless you. Dr. Fred Tok Saidi is the Chief Operating Officer of People for Care and Learning, a humanitarian organization devoted to breaking the cycle of poverty and is based in Mobile, Alabama. A psychologist by training, he is a much sought-after speaker and has trained leaders of multinational corporations such as Apple Computer, Ernst & Young, Singapore Airlines, and several others. A former adjunct professor at the Nanyang Technological University and the University of Malaysia Faculty of Medicine, Dr. Tok is also a TEDx speaker. Dr. Tok is a Critical Incident Stress Management or CISM trainer for Singapore Airlines, Tiger Airways, Lion Air, Singapore National Neuroscience Institute, Singapore Association of Banks, and many more. He was the recipient for the Asia-Pacific Brands Award and a nominee for the 2010 Spirit of Enterprise Award. Now please join us together in welcoming Dr. Fred Tok. Hello. Today we want to talk about how we can manage righteousness. I'm not sure whether you went through this, but every time we, we involve ourselves in a quarrel, in a disagreement, it's about who is right. My information is right, yours is wrong, you are wrong, I am right, and I am right, you are wrong. There's a lot of emotional energy when we enter into a fight and, 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 and wanting to know who is right. Perhaps that's not the question about who is right. Perhaps we need to look into the attitude. You know, and Jesus called this the B attitudes. And this was one of his very first teaching about what kind of attitude that we should have as believers of Jesus Christ. Well, sometimes it's not about the message. Rather, it's more about the messenger. We can have the right message, but if our attitudes are wrong, no matter how right or how accurate our message will be, it will come out wrong. Jesus also said in the last days, you know, if you want to test the prophecy, you got to test the prophet. So it's not just the prophecy. It is the prophet who carried the message that is more important than the message, the, the, the prophecy in itself. So if I have that information that is right, but my attitude is bad, it will come out wrong. So in other words, righteousness is more about attitude than proving that you are right. So whatever message that we have, if our attitude is bad, the message will come out bad or wrong. Now, the Beatitudes is found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 to 13. And Jesus 
uh, he had taught about the characteristics of what it is to be like uh, for Christians. Now, Jesus at that time had to contend with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were saying that they were right, they were called call out once, and Jesus was fake and all that. Now, who is right? Then Jesus brought his disciples to the mountains, and there were thousands of people who followed, through, who followed them into the mountains. And then Jesus taught them life and the attitude to live well in this life. The Pharisees claimed to be right. They also claimed to be righteous. But is their attitude incongruent with the message? So now bearing this context, this background, Jesus then began to teach his disciples what is it like to have the right attitude so that you can enjoy your freedom in this world. And so Jesus taught them seven characteristics of the Beatitudes, and each one of them built upon another. You cannot have the third without the first and the second. You cannot have the fourth without the third, the second, and the first attitudes. And we're going to go through one at a time and build it up. Because if we want to build the tree good and to produce good fruits, we must have good roots. And Jesus started off with, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For this is the kingdom of heaven. It's so important. When you're poor in the spirit, you have the kingdom of heaven. Now, Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, 24, about keeping your spirit, soul, and body being kept blameless until the day of his coming. It's not just the body kept blameless. You don't go to the bar, so you are sinless. No, no. You can be in church, but your mind and your soul is, and the spirit is in somewhere else. It's you, you can be in church listening to a sermon, but your soul and your mind is thinking, where should I eat for lunch? Maybe I should eat onion penguin, or maybe I should eat something else. So your soul and the spirit is not in tandem with your body. And that's why Paul says, may your entire soul, sorry, when you're in, may your entire spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. So why is it important here? Now, body is what I have, you have. If you're alive, you should have a body. I have you know, they have a body, but then we also have a soul. And the Greek word for soul is suki. Suki means uh, the psyche and mind and the soul. And this is where we have the English word psychology from. The spirit is air, pneuma. Pneuma means air. God breathed into Adam, and therefore we are different from animals. Animals only have body, they have soul, but they have no spirit. Human beings have one additional aspect of our life, uh, more than the animals. God breathed into Adam. Pneuma here means air. Um, and but God did not breathe into the boya, the crocodiles, the lion, and the mon monkeys, and all that. And so that makes us different from animals. And so when our body receives information through our five senses, uh, what we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we touch, and what we uh, taste, it will send information to our soul. And so if something bad happens, someone says something nasty about us, someone betrayed us, then it activates our soul. And when we remain unforgiving, we are so like so angry, I'm not going to forgive the person. Very soon our soul will govern our entire being. 
when our soul entire uh, governs our entire being, it is our soul that is in control. And as a result of this, we feel resentful, we become bitter, and then we send signal to our body to shut down. I don't want to listen to you because you always say that you're right, I'm wrong, and I'm, I'm right, but you are wrong, and you don't want to acknowledge it. And so because of all this argument, I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to be your friend. We are no longer BFF right now, we are now another BFF from best friend forever. Now we are bad friends forever. And so we shut down. We shut down. When we shut down, we are in we are internalizing. And then you know what? Our world becomes darkened when we internalize and when we have these toxic emotions that's within us. We stop communicating with others we, because we insist that we are right. And you know what? We also shut down our spirit because we are behaving soulishly but not spiritually. So, and, and our soul now become our spirit because what is supposed to be the spirit that govern us, the spirit of God that govern us. Now we are our own spirit. Our own spirit is now our soul. Our soul is our spirit. And therefore, instead of having you know uh, that that worshiping in spirit and in truth, we are now worshiping in just the soul. Very emotional. In fact, we are not even worshiping God anymore as a result because our own spirit that we assume um you know our soul which we assume is our spirit is now in control it's bigger than what god is remember when god met the woman at the well he told the woman you have to worship god in spirit and in truth this is true when we are living a, a life of emotional resentment and life of bitterness we are living a lie in our mind and when when this happened we assume that our human spirit is bigger is in control than god's spirit when that happened we're just living like animals body so so body body so so body body so so there's no spirit in us because we assume that our soul is our spirit who is right then when we are when we are arguing and we become emotional and we are not allowing god to talk to us not allowing god to teach us to, you know to speak into us then who is right you may have the right message but when you when you are resentful you're bitter your message as i mentioned will come out wrong david was emotional and he said why am i so downcast oh my soul but then he stopped there he said hang on hang on hang on Bless the Lord, oh my soul. See, he did not stop here and allow the spirit to control his own, sorry, he did not allow his soul to control his human spirit. And he, he lifts up his spirit to connect that of God. He says, bless the Lord, oh my soul. His spirit opened. Forget not his benefit. Bless the Lord. And, and then the Lord, his spirit come upon uh, David and his His. Then he experienced the peace of God. This is Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. This our human understanding here will come upon us. When God's Spirit comes upon us, we experience the peace of God. Our five senses open. Now we are able to interact with the world again. This is about behaving spiritually, not so not soulishly. But we can only experience spiritual, uh, when we, we can only live spiritually when our human spirit spirit is poor that means we allow god to come in more than our spirit allow the spirit of god to be more in control than the human spirit blessed are those who are poor 
in spirit. For this is the kingdom of heaven. Because once you surrender the human spirit and the human soul to God, you know what? You have the kingdom of heaven. But when you are on your own, you are on your own. You will always be so rich. You know, if you want to plant a good tree, good fruit comes from good root. And that's why Jesus starts with a good root that you surrender your spirit to God and then God, you will receive the kingdom of heaven. When you don't surrender the spirit, your spirit to God to feel that God is in control of your life, then you are on your own. Then your fruit the fruit will be determined by your own spirit. If it's emotional, um, um, if it's unforgiveness, if it's resentful, if it, if it is um, uh, bitterness, then you have resentful fruit, you have bitter fruit. So it starts from here. You cannot have the rest of the attitudes without first recognizing that God is in control of your spirit. Then he went on to say, blessed are those they mourn. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, mourning doesn't mean that you go through a period of grief, you lost a loved ones and all that. Here, we talk, he talks about the mourning of our sin, the mourning of our past, the mourning of the sense of betrayal by others. You know, we surrender our emotional pain to God, and then he will comfort us. We don't do it ourselves. We don't take revenge. We don't be vindictive. We allow God to comfort us. Blessed are those who mourn. You see, when we are unforgiving, we are resentful, we are bitter, our world is darkened, as I mentioned, because we are controlled by our soul. So sometimes we need to surrender our, our pain, the sense of betrayal by a good friend of ours from BFF to BFF, from best friends forever to bad friends forever. No, no. Let God comfort us. We surrender. You know, sometimes it could be our sin of our past. We cannot let go this behavior and, and we are unable to, to you know, to let God take over, take charge of these habits. You know, if we confess our sin, God is gracious and he is willing to forgive us and forget about our past sin. And so we need to forgive others so that we can be forgiven. Once we're able to do this and then we allow God to comfort us, we mourn about the pain that we go through. We mourn about our sinful nature. We are remorseful. And you know what? When we are able to forgive and we surrender to God, we can experience our freedom from our past. And the light, the sky brightens again. And we live in the light once again. So remember, good fruit, good root. So the two roots that Jesus planted for us in order for us to have good fruit is number one, to be poor in spirit. Number two, to be able to mourn, to confess, to let go, to forgive. So that we don't let that, you know, pain, we don't let the sin, you know, to control us. Because if we want to have a good fruit, in our tree, we want to have a healthy tree. This too must be in our root system. We must change and correct. Hey, it's no longer the human spirit that is, that is in control. It's no longer about the past sin, the past pain that is in control. But God has comforted us and God is in control of our spirit. Only then we can now say we are meek. 
He said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You see, here, put in spirit, you have the kingdom of heaven, but when you are meek, you can inherit the earth. You see, that, that's, that's a promise of God. When you surrender your life to God, when you let go of your past, when you let go of your pain and your miseries and allow God to comfort you, then you can enjoy what's here on earth. You cannot enjoy this world and life when you are still, you know, rich in your own human spirit and, and poor in the spirit of God. So you must reverse that poor in your own human spirit, rich in the spirit of God, you know, allowing God to comfort you. Uh, rather than being continue to be vindictive, being vengeful, then we can inherit the earth. It's very important because it builds upon each other. Now, to be meek means to be quietly confident. It means you are confident, but you are chill about it. You are cool about it. You are not going to tell anybody, hey, hey, me, confident, me, confident, me. No, that's not what it is. You know you are confident, but you don't have to show up. But if we, are, if, if we are not poor in our human spirit, we are not mournful about our past, we're still full of ourselves here, then it's hard to be meek. Meek also means to be humble. That means you have to spring, but it's under control. But when you are unable to resolve this, that means you always want to prove that you are right and everybody is wrong. And I know everything more than everything else. So it's show me a proud person who wants to be on top, very combative, and, and put people down. The chances are, the root system is not connected yet. Blessed are the meek. Because out of this tree, this tree here, poor in spirit, mournful, then you are able to establish that, you know, the meekness. Meekness is not to let people step over you. It's to know that you are in control, but you don't have to show off. Now, only then, Jesus said, you have to hunger, and you have to thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. See, if we don't correct our root system, our root system is still bitter, it's still painful, it's still full of ourselves, and we are so proud of ourselves, and, we, and, and, and God is not in us, then what is righteousness? What does righteousness mean to someone who is proud, who's full of themselves, who's God's spirit is not in them, who is still bitter about the past, who is not confessed and let go and let God to, to deal with it. What does righteousness mean? What is righteous to these people? It's nothing. They can hold and have meaningful learning lessons about righteousness, but if they are not humble, they are not poor in spirit, they are not mindful, that righteousness will lead to pride. I know better than any others. I am... I am more intelligent, I have more, I have more information. And then you know what? When you receive information about somebody who sinned against God, then you you know the person sinned against God. When you are not meek, you're not mournful, you're not poor in spirit, you will then spread the information and you condemn the person. You know that guy, he's a pastor. He 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 sinned against God, he has an adulterous affair. Are you are you you no good, no good, no good? So you begin judgmental with the information. The information may be right. He may have sinned against God, but you're not handling it well because you're not meek, you're not mournful, you're not poor in spirit. So Jesus said, hey, righteousness is something that you've got to hunger and thirsty for, thirsting for. Sometimes we pick and choose what is right. Okay, when I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm not hungry, I don't eat. No, 
Righteousness is something that you have to keep pursuing. You know, just because you ate this morning for breakfast, that doesn't mean that you're not going to eat tonight. That doesn't mean that you're not going to eat tomorrow night. That doesn't mean that you're not going to eat next week. No, righteousness is something that you have to keep, keep searching from the perspective of a humble person, from a perspective of a repentant person, from a perspective of someone who is in control of your spirit. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? That's a question that we have to ask ourselves. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty for righteousness? See, humanly speaking, physically speaking, if we are not hungry or thirsty, number one, it could be that we are taking too much junk food, huh? too much of this junk food. We snack all the time. We, we take all this rubbish and put it into our bodies. And therefore, when dinner comes, we're not hungry. Maybe it's the same thing spiritually. We are taking all the junk food. We watch next Netflix. We watch all these junk things, you know, on internet. And we stop people on Facebook. We judge people. We snack. That means we're not hungry for God's righteousness anymore. When this is happening, that means we're not meek. We're not mournful. We're not good. If you are not hungry for righteousness, check your spiritual diet. It could also be, you know, when, when this thing happens, it could be that, you know, um, uh, we are not poor in spirit, we are not mournful, we are not meek, and therefore we will look for things, information to feed us, not the righteousness of God. You know, when you are not hungry, it could be because something is not right with your mind. You know, when we're anxious, when the person is depressed, when they are going through emotional problems, food is not something that they want to that they want to entertain. They lost their appetite. When we are not seeking righteousness, we are also full of pride. We know it all. We know, we know. I know everything. Yeah, you know, show me someone who's proud, who thinks that they know everything, then the root system is not good. And this, the life they live in is live is not bright they are not living in the light so we need to handle righteousness from a humility perspective and in order for us to be humble to be meek we need to be mournful and poor in spirit in our root system it's so important who is right it's not about who is right it's about whether are you humble are you in control are you is god in control of you or are you repentant of your past are you letting go of your past because if all this is not corrected whatever information you have here whatever righteousness uh, right information you have it will come up wrong because all of this root system is wrong that's why we always have argument quarrel just split because of this now if you are if you are poor in spirit, you are mournful about your past. You are able to let go and let God comfort you. And you are humble. You live, you live humbly and meekly. And then you have information. You know what? The right, a person who is righteous has three fruits that they will have to produce. As a result of this, you produce three fruits. The first fruit is that everything you do is pure. There's no hidden agenda. I am going to tell you information, but I want something out from here. I want to tell people that I know this person about what they are going through because they want. I want people to, to be dependent on me. I have more information than others. And those people now are dependent on me. But if we have the right information, we do it purely. Even if the information about ourselves, who, about somebody who is sinning against God, we are going to handle that information with purity of heart. 
check ourselves, right? If if you feel that you're right, but you're not acting out of purity, check this, check this, check this. Because purity is one of the first fruits of righteousness. The second fruit of righteousness, mercifulness. Blessed are those who show mercy, for, for they shall be so mercy. If you want to be if God, if you want God to be merciful towards you, you gotta to be merciful towards us. A person is never merciful if they are proud. A person will always be vengeful, will always condemn others because they are proud and their system in the root is not healthy. See, when we are healthy in the root, we, we act out the right characteristics of what it meant to be meek. And so whatever information that we have, we act up with purity, we act with mercifulness. Even if it is a person who's supposed to be a man of God or a woman of God, but they, they make a mistake, we're not ready to condemn them. Our job is the third fruit to be a peacemaker. These three are our fruits. We are not called to be troublemakers. The troublemakers are people who think that they are right in their own mind and therefore they go out and create trouble for others. It is my right to steal, it's my right to condemn, it's my right to do this, and so I'm, I, you know, and therefore I do it with my own discretion without thinking about how it will effect, impact others. And if Christians are troublemakers, if Christians are not merciful, if Christians are not acting up purely, then something is wrong about the message of righteousness in them. Maybe it's because they are not meek. They're so full of themselves with me. Perhaps this is a result of a poor root system. And that's why Jesus shared and taught the very first message. Uh, that's why Jesus you know, taught uh, the message of the Beatitudes as one of his first messages while he was walking on this world. What is right? Who is right? Maybe it's not about the information. Maybe it's about a person. The messenger is more important than the message. We come back to this question we started off with. Who is right? Who is right in any argument? Maybe we should ask, what's our attitude towards the information that we have? Or in the Bible language, what's our be attitudes? Are we, are we um, in our root system? Are we poor in spirit? Are we mournful and allowing God to comfort us? As a result of the two root system, are we humble? Are we meek? If you feel that you're not meek, then go back to ground zero. Go back to your root system. Surrender your life to God. Let your, let your spirit, let God govern your spirit. And you know what? If you're still unforgiving about others, let God comfort you. And then out of this, you can feel you can be humble because you know that my God is in charge of every situation. I may know something, but I don't need to show that I am more clever, more intelligent. I am more in control than others because I behave in a meek way. It's strength under control. Then when I know what is right, I know how to handle it. I know how to manage it. And so I will manage righteousness with purity, with mercifulness, and by becoming a peacemaker. This is how we manage righteousness. I pray that 
we will have we will have less argument, less splitting of churches, less you know uh, contentious uh, debate. We can be at peace with one another, even though we may have different opinions about what is right. God bless you.